Hi, I'm Bill Hohen. And I'm Ted Hohen. Over the past 50 years, our family has brought many world-class dealerships to Carlsbad, including Mercedes-Benz, Porsche, Audi, Honda, Acura, Jaguar, and Land Rover. That's right. This year, we're celebrating 50 years in Carlsbad. So on behalf of the entire Hohen family, we want to thank San Diego. Throughout the years, we've taken tremendous pride in meeting and even exceeding our customers' automotive needs. We value the relationships with our clients and look forward to serving you for years to come. We invite you to visit one of the Hohen Carlsbad dealerships or hohenmotors.com. Governor Newsom puts a new focus on protecting essential workers. People that are feeling sick, people that may be sick, we don't want them going to work and infecting other people. I'm Maureen Cavanaugh. This is KPBS Midday Edition. San Diego is part of a large-scale nationwide COVID vaccine trial. This is a 30,000-person trial. San Diego could end up being a pretty sizable chunk of that data set that gets used to decide whether the vaccine works. The issue of switching police funding is explored in part two of our San Diego Police Budget Report, plus the weekend preview. That's ahead on Midday Edition. Hi, I'm Bill Hohen. And I'm Ted Hohen. Over the past 50 years, our family has brought many world-class dealerships to Carlsbad, including Mercedes-Benz, Porsche, Audi, Honda, Acura, Jaguar, and Land Rover. That's right. This year, we're celebrating 50 years in Carlsbad. So on behalf of the entire Hohen family, we want to thank San Diego. Throughout the years, we've taken tremendous pride in meeting and even exceeding our customers' automotive needs. We value the relationships with our clients and look forward to serving you for years to come. We invite you to visit one of the Hohen Carlsbad dealerships or hohenmotors.com. In today's address on the spread of COVID in California, Governor Gavin Newsom says not enough focus has been placed on essential workers. He presented a graph showing that most essential workers, like grocery employees, cashiers, restaurant workers, etc., in California, are Latino, Black, and Asian. This essential workforce remains the bedrock, the backbone uh, of those that are providing foundational, fundamental services to the state of California. Newsom introduced expanded programs to provide quarantine space for essential workers and crop workers who get sick. And he's introducing a new handbook for employers that streamlines guidance on how to provide a safe workplace for employees. Meanwhile, San Diegans are getting a chance to join the fight against COVID-19. The first large-scale COVID vaccine trial in the U.S. is looking for San Diegans who want to participate. 87 test sites across the U.S. hope to sign up 30,000 people to test the vaccine developed by the Moderna Biotech Company. Of the seven test sites in California, three are in San Diego County. Those locations are UC San Diego in La Jolla, M3 Wake Research in San Diego, and E-Study Site in La Mesa. 
Joining me with more on the Moderna COVID vaccine trial is San Diego Union-Tribune biotech reporter Jonathan Wosen. And Jonathan, welcome to the program. Thanks for having me, Mari. What human trials has this vaccine already been through and what were the results? So Moderna was actually the first company, the first group of researchers to begin COVID-19 trials in humans. They started right around March 16th. And that was a trial of about uh, roughly 45 healthy adults, mainly looking to see if the vaccine was safe. Uh, Those results just got published last Tuesday, July 14th in the New England Journal of Medicine. And what they found was that of the three doses, the low, mid to high doses of the vaccine they tested, that generally mild side effects you'd expect with any vaccine. Um, And what was interesting and a bit encouraging was they found that everyone who was vaccinated produced antibodies. So these are immune proteins that can stick to the surface of a virus and potentially prevent it from infecting your cells. And so based on those early smaller trial results, they're now moving forward uh, with this large upcoming vaccine trial. Now, not only is this a vaccine for COVID, a brand new disease, but it's also a brand new kind of vaccine. Tell us about it. Yeah, so this is one of a couple approaches. Researchers have basically been testing every vaccine approach you can imagine, including ones that we've been using for decades, as well as uh, what Moderna is doing, which is an mRNA or messenger RNA vaccine. So this is a vaccine that has molecular instructions for the body to make pieces of the surface of the coronavirus, not the whole virus, but these spike proteins that the coronavirus has. And so the idea is that by providing this messenger RNA, you're teaching that person to make and then respond uh, from their immune cells to the, that spike protein. That would allow for those antibodies to then block infection Uh, as well as for other types of immune cells to clear infected cells too. How many people do researchers hope will sign up to test the vaccine in San Diego? So collectively, it could be upwards of 1,000. And when you think about the fact that this is a 30,000-person trial, San Diego could end up being a pretty sizable chunk of that data set that gets used to decide whether the vaccine works. UCSD is hoping for about 500 people, and then e-study site, and M3 Wake Research are looking for about 350 to 500 apiece. And what kind of participants are researchers looking for? In short, they're looking for folks who have not already been infected with the coronavirus, but based on where they live or where they work, uh, who might be going forward. Uh, They're also looking for people who are in high-risk groups for COVID-19. And finding the right people for these types of trials is tricky because you don't want people who have already been infected because the immune response that you see from them might be what they had from that past infection. It doesn't tell you anything about whether the vaccine is working. But then if you look for people who would never be exposed because they're so isolated or so holed up um, at home, for example, then you you also can't tell if the vaccine would have protected them. So you're looking for this sort of in-between spot of people who haven't been infected yet, haven't been exposed yet, but just based on their day-to-day life uh, might be. So people who work in healthcare, people who work in grocery stores and public transportation uh, would be good examples, uh, as well as folks who have pre-existing conditions, whether that's high blood pressure or diabetes, for example. Now, if the trial is successful, what's the earliest that this vaccine would be available? Moderna is one of a fairly small group of 
companies that's part of the United States government's Operation Warp Speed. And that's a government bid to have potentially 300 million doses of a successful COVID-19 vaccine available by around January of 2021. So Moderna's president has, has said that, you know, they think they could potentially do that. You know, other people I've spoken to in, in the world of research and, and science have said what's most likely is by the end of the year, we would have a good indication of whether the vaccine works and then actually mass producing it, getting it to the people who need it quickly uh, could potentially take a bit longer than that. And Jonathan, where can people find information on how to sign up for this trial? So the quickest way to do that would be to go to coronaviruspreventionnetwork.org, coronaviruspreventionnetwork.org, which is a site that was launched by the National Institutes of Health, and that will direct you to ways to find out about any number of COVID-19 prevention trials that are happening in your community. I've been speaking with San Diego Union-Tribune biotech reporter Jonathan Wosen, and Jonathan, thanks so much. It was a pleasure. Thank you. As a movement to defund police travels across the country, one potential target for budget cuts is removing police from mental health calls. Many activists, health officials, and some elected leaders say police are the wrong people to be responding to these calls. KPBS reporter Claire Tregesser says the details on how that would work are being explored in San Diego County. On a Tuesday in September 2016, Alfred Alongo, grieving the loss of a childhood friend, was in the midst of a mental breakdown. Alongo's sister, fearing for his safety, did the only thing she felt she could do at the time, call 911. When officers with the El Cajon Police Department arrived at the scene, Alongo pointed a vape pen at them. Mistaking it for a gun, one of the officers shot him dead. The killing sparked days of protests and renewed calls to reform how authorities respond to mental health calls. Yet, nearly four years after Alongo's death, if a call comes in regarding someone in a mental health crisis in San Diego County, they will most likely be visited by a police officer. However, it's not like this everywhere. In Eugene, Oregon, Ebony Morgan is more likely to show up for a mental health call than an officer with a badge and a gun. Morgan is a crisis worker for CAHOOTS, a nonprofit program that partners with Eugene's police department. When she gets a call, she goes to the scene with an EMT partner and first assesses the situation to ensure it's safe. And from there, we just start asking. You know, my first question as a crisis worker is going to be, how can I support you? What is... What are we doing? What are we trying to do? And what do you need? For example, if she responds to a person who is having a psychotic episode and is wandering in the middle of the street, she'll say, We're in the middle of the street right now. We can't stay here. This is not safe. Are you willing to walk with us over to the sidewalk and then tell us what's going on? The CAHOOTS program has a team of 50 and costs about $2.1 million a year, or about 3% of the Eugene Police Department's annual budget. San Diego Police's budget for fiscal 2021 is more than $566 million. If 3% were diverted to a similar program, it would cost $17 million, 
which is about half of what the department spent on officer overtime in the last fiscal year. We can't even imagine a world where mental health professionals are the ones who deal with mental health issues. Khaled Alexander is the founder of the San Diego criminal justice reform advocacy organization, Pillars of the Community. We can't imagine a world where more money goes to schools and to education than goes to arming police officers and buying them um, you know, military-grade weapons. He says programs like CAHOOTS shouldn't be seen as major police reform, but just good common sense. County leaders are starting to come around to Alexander's point of view in the wake of massive protests that have erupted here and throughout the country in the wake of George Floyd's killing by Minneapolis police officers. If you have an individual swimming in the fountain or really having, you know, a huge problem, uh, if they are swinging an axe or have hit someone with an axe, then you need to call 911 and you need to send law enforcement. Supervisor Nathan Fletcher is working to create mental health crisis teams to respond to some calls. The problem is if that individual is not a danger to themselves or anyone else, there is no other option for them other than to call 911. Fletcher estimates the program would cost $10 million a year and would be used by all local police departments. He says it would save money by cutting the police cars and fire engines that are often sent to mental health calls. The other problem is if that individual has ever been justice involved, uh, or if they're just in an agitated state of mind, the presence of law enforcement has the potential of escalating the situation when what you need to do is de-escalate the situation. You good, man? Yeah. Uh, I've talked to you before a whole bunch of times, right? Sergeant Rick Schnell led the San Diego Police Department's homeless outreach team for 15 years and retired a few years ago. He and his officers had a lot of training on mental health issues. It was clear that we needed to do mental health training with the officers. PERT was starting to really pick up. That's the county's psychiatric emergency response team. He says even if San Diego establishes its own version of CAHOOTS, it couldn't completely take the place of police on mental health calls. And it's three o'clock in the morning and you've got somebody with mental health issues going on. Who else are you going to call? The police are coming. Instead, he advocates for more training for police officers and hiring officers who can maintain calm. When an officer shows up in his or her blue uniform with a gun and a badge, that automatically escalates a situation, he says. The officer understands how intense they can be. You know, I don't know if you've had somebody come to your house, but when you call the police and the police are in your living room, it's usually not a relaxing situation. And so it's kind of on us to calm the situation down. If you're an angry person inside, you probably don't want to be a police officer. This is not the job for you. Claire Tregesser, KPBS News. Lots of people will probably be busy this weekend with Comic-Con at home, but if Comic-Con isn't your thing, here are some arts events and virtual offerings to fill your weekend. For instance, an outdoor front lawn, socially distanced dance performance, plays by local black women, and an annual juried exhibition that, thanks to the pandemic's online revolution, is now able to feature digital video works. KPBS arts editor Julia Dixon-Evans is here with all the details. And welcome, Julia. Hi, Maureen. 
Now, there's a group putting on very intimate outdoor dance performances. Tell us about Live in Public. Yeah, it's a project of Anna Brown Massey and Victor De La Fuente. They're both local artists and dancers, and they've choreographed a 20-minute dance that's site-specific to a front lawn. Uh, it's kind of a way to gather a small audience together in a way that's safer than being inside a theater. So just a few households wearing masks and seated at a safe distance from each other and the performers. And this performance features a recitation of Octavio Paz's poem, Trowbridge Street, in English and Spanish, plus some of their own original spoken word and a pretty diverse soundtrack, some experimental instrumental stuff, but also Bill Withers, Bela Fleck. This track in particular by Six Organs of Admittance, who is a guitar-based composer, is called The Acceptance of Absolute Negation. It's from his 2003 release for Octavio Paz. You can catch Live in Public's performance tonight and Saturday at either 5, 6, or 7 p.m. at a private residence, Front Lawn in City Heights. Tickets and address available at liveinpublic.org. Up next, some dinner theater. What does Moxie Theater have in store for us this weekend? Yeah, Moxie's paired up with Common Ground Theater, which is a Black-run local theater that's been around since 1964 for what they're calling Dinner and a Zoom. They're bringing four new plays written by and directed by Black women, and they're all centered around the reality of the pandemic. And for dinner, they've put together a list of local Black-owned restaurants that offer takeout. So you can have dinner during the show, which is, of course, on Zoom. And the four plays are divided into two nights, each show with two plays. They all sound amazing and really different, so try to catch both shows if you can. There's one that's about a Zoom wedding. There's a mother and a daughter struggling with their relationship while one of them's in the hospital. There's a group of friends coping with a salon closure by watching hair tutorials on Zoom. And then there's one about the issues a pregnant Black woman is facing with her white police officer husband. Dinner in a Zoom runs Thursday through Sunday online via Zoom. In the visual art world, the Athenaeum hosts a juried exhibition of new local works each year. And like so many things, this year's exhibition looks a little different. Tell us a little about this show. Yeah, so this is the Athenaeum's 29th installment of their juried exhibition. And everything happened digitally, even the submissions and the judging. And in a silver lining sort of way, has resulted in a larger than usual entrant pool and it also allowed for films and short video and other experimental video-based works. The full exhibition is now available online. It has 92 new works by 46 different local artists. So all of the work had to be made in the last five years, and you had to live or work in the San Diego area to qualify. One of my favorite pieces so far is a digital video by artist Stephanie Bird. It's called True Love. She calls it a tone poem, and it features a really hypnotic video of the American bald eagle mating ritual. It's this spiraling free fall, and if it's unsuccessful, it results in death. 
and it's set to this reprocessed audio of Radiohead song, True Love Waits. Stephanie Bird's video, True Love, is part of the Athenaeum's annual juried exhibition, available for online viewing now through September 12th. For more arts events or to sign up for the KPBS Arts Newsletter, go to kpbs.org arts. I've been speaking with KPBS Arts Editor Julia Dixon-Evans. Julia, thank you. Thank you so much, Maureen. Hi, I'm Bill Hohen. And I'm Ted Hohen. Over the past 50 years, our family has brought many world-class dealerships to Carlsbad, including Mercedes-Benz, Porsche, Audi, Honda, Acura, Jaguar, and Land Rover. That's right. This year, we're celebrating 50 years in Carlsbad. So on behalf of the entire Hohen family, we want to thank San Diego. Throughout the years, We've taken tremendous pride in meeting and even exceeding our customers' automotive needs. We value the relationships with our clients and look forward to serving you for years to come. We invite you to visit one of the Hohen Carlsbad dealerships or hohenmotors.com.